Location, location, location. Hello and welcome to the Durham Talents Channel. My name is Jesse Durham. The subject for today is going to be about infinite banking and real estate investment. I know that from the time that I picked up Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad book and the time that I picked up R. Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, as those two gentlemen began talking about real estate investing, I became really interested on the subject. I know that there are lots of ways to do real estate. And they're all very interesting. But I knew from that moment, from reading those books, that I would want to be in real estate in some way. And it was just a matter of continuing to educate myself, learn more about it, to figure out how I would like to go about it myself. Now, if this is a subject that interests you, let's have a conversation about it. What I would start by saying in contrast with how I opened this video of location, 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 you know, the first thing that I realized that was a big, big factor concerning real estate is actually timing. I'm not saying that location is not important. It is. But there have definitely been times when timing was more important. You know, we've heard perhaps about a buyer's market, a seller's market. You know, Nash, in his book, Becoming Your Own Banker, he relays his experience at a particular time when he was beholden to commercial lending, conventional lending, and the bank called its note. And, and he was stuck there with, I think it was right at half of a million dollars in real estate deals that were over 20, I'm wanting to say 23 and a half percent, I think is what it was, 23 and a half percent. I mean, I'm thinking it was something like $75,000 a year in interest alone. So there he was, a time came when whether it was a good deal or not, the timing of the market was definitely uh, against him and you know he just talks about the lessons that he learned there and we see that reflecting in his philosophies that he shares in becoming your own banker kiyosaki speaks extensively about real estate from an educational uh, standpoint i really enjoy robert kiyosaki's book so if we ever uh, speak on that subject in particular it'll be a lot of fun perhaps if, if you've read some of those maybe you can make some suggestions to me and you know i did eventually find my first entry point into real estate and was able to in my first couple of deals you know make more than what it had taken me uh in a month's teaching or a month of being a law enforcement officer in the state of north carolina just to throw some some general perspective about my experience out there. So I knew it was good. I knew it brought um, value. You know, the the, the right deal is going to bring value to everyone involved. And that's a beautiful thing to see and even to facilitate. And where I see the connection is that when approaching policies, whole life insurance policies that have been properly structured for the banking purpose with a mutual company that pays a dividend, these privatized banking policies that we talk about and that we use and we and that we promote the idea that you consider using as your own banker these policies nash talks about should be considered as businesses there it's a it's a whole life insurance policy so it's a life insurance policy 
But he says mentally to approach acquiring a policy as a business owner would approach a business. And what Nash continues to say is that everyone should be in two businesses. The business of whatever it is that they're doing in this particular conversation, we're going to be discussing real estate investing. And I'm not making investment advice, but we can discuss the subject. So being in real estate investing, but also being in the business of financing our real estate investing. So here, because I've already mentioned Robert Kiyosaki, and now, of course, I'm talking about, you know, being in control and we'll be talking about, you know, you building up capital for yourself, me building up capital for myself. I don't care if you're in a Dave Ramsey camp or if you're in a Kiyosaki camp. I don't care if you're, you know, cash is king or if you're OPM, other people's money leveraged to the nth degree. Regardless of whether you pay cash for things, and regardless of whether you conventionally finance things, the question still remains, who controls the banking function in your life? And then, therefore, who controls the banking function in your investing? See, you could acquire and amass capital in a privatized banking system. And use your cat. I mean, Nash says the golden rule applies. He who has the gold makes the rules. So if you set aside your cash in a policy that you own and control, and it'll grow uninterrupted, compounding, but you can also maintain access to the capital in that policy because it's your policy and you own it, then you can follow your mindset and you can apply your philosophy of cash is king. I'm going to pay cash for everything including your real estate investing. And lots of people do that, and lots of people promote that idea. You can also use other people's money. You can leverage to the nth degree, all while being your own banker as well, because the rules still apply. The golden rule, he who has the gold makes the rules. Use it or lose it. See, either we're paying someone interest or we're forfeiting the opportunity to interest on our money. So even if I decide to use conventional lending to finance a car because I, I happen to like their interest rate on that particular loan, or if I want to be able to finance a mortgage or whatever with the bank, I'm just saying that we can consider who controls that banking function. See, if you want to be able to do that, but you still want to maintain control because you've amassed in a privatized asset capital that would offset anything that you've conventionally financed, you're still in control of the banking function. You're still accounting for the process of banking in your life. And that's great. So I'm not necessarily trying to promote one camp over another, I'm saying you can become your own banker in either of those scenarios. Because again, everything is financed one of those two ways until we get to infinite banking, which is where we amass the capital, we access the capital for the things that we want to finance by leveraging our cash values in a policy that we privately own and control to be able to go out and buy, finance, whatever it is that we were going to buy or finance Let's take real estate investing in this scenario. And then we also get the money back because we have a system in place that will help us recapture the principal, the interest, the profits that we experience, 
all of it. So it's a way to be able to, whether we're using cash, which we would, um, or we are trying to leverage other people's money, which we would. Both of those happen in in becoming your own banker because you're setting aside capital, you're setting aside your money where you can access it and where you know you control it. But also you can use other people's money by leveraging your capital via a policy loan to finance the things that you would want to do anyway. Also tax-free. All right, so let's not forget to mention that very important point. That's not tax advice. It's just saying policy loans are tax-free. So we get to the idea of real estate investing. It can be a very profitable endeavor. It, it can be fun. It brings a lot of value to a lot of people. It's not going anywhere. There are lots of ways to be able to do it. But ultimately, I would promote the idea that you should be your own banker. You at least can. You can be your own banker even in your real estate investing. And in fact, if we were to put the average scenario beside someone who's practicing the infinite banking concept, I'm just saying the only thing better than making a sale is making a sale according to your terms and conditions without losing interest dollars, etc. The only thing better than collecting rent from your occupants is collecting rent while knowing that you would still have growth internally because of a system of policies that you own control, even if those occupants were not paying those rents. And when they are, of course, then you're just benefiting from both. You're benefiting from owning an appreciating asset, which is your whole life policy, and getting the returns from your real estate. So again, let me just point out that everything is finance, including real estate investments. Either we're using the bank's money to perform our real estate investing in whatever way that is, fixing and flipping or wholesaling, whatever. Just adding to our portfolio for, for an increase in net worth, whatever approach we happen to have in the real estate space. Either we're using the bank's money on their terms and conditions and we're paying them interest dollars or we're setting aside our capital, forfeiting the opportunity to earn on that capital while it's amassing. And then we have to completely liquidate it, of course, to acquire the real estate in whatever form or fashion that we are. Whereas, as opposed to either of those two scenarios where we're either paying interest dollars assuming risk, putting up collateral, or forfeiting the opportunity to to earn on our money. As opposed to that, we can be amassing our capital, deploying it in a leveraged fashion via a policy loan from a perfectly collateralized appreciating asset, which is the whole life policy itself. Because when we make when we make a policy loan, we're making a policy loan and receiving money from the insurance company's general fund account against the cash values that we have in a policy that we own and control that are just a net representation of a future death benefit. I hope you're following me on that. It's so very, very, very different 
from conventionally financing or uh, just simply putting aside cash somewhere for real estate investing. The whole life policy itself, if it's been properly structured with a mutual company that pays a dividend, it is an appreciating asset with tax benefits, guaranteed growth, control, access, it's private property, you have protections against inflation, litigation, so many different characteristics that make it an appreciating asset just in and of itself. And then when you grasp this idea of being able to leverage your cash values for doing things like, and not limited to, but like real estate investing, then you can enjoy the benefits of both worlds. You could be doing your real estate investing and getting all the benefits of becoming your own banker, which is getting the principal back, the interest back, any profits back, and doing so in an uninterrupted, compounding fashion. So just start thinking about where do you get a down payment from for a property that you're going to acquire? If you're receiving cash flows or anticipate receiving cash flows from properties, where do those go? And and notice I didn't just say profits. I, I said cash flows. It's more important to evaluate your cash flow than just the profit alone. You really need to be evaluating the amount of money that's flowing through you, even if only a portion of that is actual profit. Because I understand that there are overheads Okay, things to things to cover. And ultimately, I mean, it's the consumer that covers the cost. But again, the entire cash flow itself should be evaluated, not just the profits that you might be receiving from rents that you collect or sales that you're making, whatever the case may be. We need to evaluate the entire cash flow. And when you make a sale or you collect rent, Where does that go? Don't you send that to your conventional bank? Well, again, if we'll consider who owns that bank, who receives dividends from that bank, it's not us. What would it look like if we instead sent those monies as deposits or as premium payments to policies that we own and control, policies that have been structured for the banking purpose for us, wherein we do receive dividends and we do maintain the access and the control as the owner of those policies. These are really good questions to ask. Ultimately, the only thing better than making a real estate investment is making a real estate investment and being in control of the banking function the entire time. And let's consider a couple of concepts around real estate investing. In real estate investing, a couple of key factors are liquidity for one. Liquidity means having access to money. Now, if we go out and we buy a property, perhaps we can hold that property as collateral and get a a mortgage or a home equity line of credit, a HELOC. But, of course, then the home itself is the collateral. And I'm not saying to that, to do that or not to do that. I'm just saying the house is going to be the collateral. We are going to be beholden to the bank's terms and conditions. We are going to be paying interest. And I understand, I recognize that ultimately the consumer should be the one doing that. 
So if we have someone renting that home from us, they're the ones that should be paying for that. But again, it's our name on the dotted line. Whereas if we needed liquidity, which I want liquidity, I'm sure you want liquidity, we could maintain liquidity via the capital in our policy. So we can maintain liquidity because a policy has been properly structured for the banking purpose. And then that allows us to acquire the same property. But now we did that through another asset that is an appreciating asset that is perfectly collateralized in itself. See, the cash values of a whole life policy that have been properly structured for the banking purpose are a net representation today of a future death benefit. And we can borrow against the cash values of such a policy via a policy loan from the insurance company. And then we can use that policy loan to finance our real estate investments. So then we have all the benefits of the real estate investments, such as they will be, and the guaranteed growth of the policy, the access, the ownership, the hedging against inflation, so many different things. But also, simply by owning a policy, our net worth, that would be another key word, in my opinion, that would be another key factor to consider. And, well, I mean, why are we doing real estate? Do we want to see our net worth go down? Probably we want to see our net worth go up. As owners of properly structured whole life policies, we're increasing our net worth. And in a tax-free way, might I point out, the death benefit from a whole life policy is going to be tax-free to our heirs or our, our beneficiaries. So I'm not a tax expert, but I'm saying that there are some considerations uh, between real estate investments and whole life policies as well as assets in and of themselves that differentiate them. And let me reiterate, if you're interested in real estate investing, where do you make your deposits? to someone else's, from the rent you collect or the deals that you close or your fix and flips, whatever it is that you're doing, where do those dollars go? Aren't those deposits to someone else's bank? Okay, what would it look like if you made those deposits, if your cash flows, if your profits, if your rents, what if that went through your bank? I mean, if that went through your bank first and then you still use those dollars for what it is that you're already doing, if you just added the one step of owning a whole life policy with a mutual company that pays a dividend and you use those cash flows or rents to be able to fund a policy that you own and control to begin this privatized banking system of your, your own, isn't that accomplishing more than one task with the same dollar? Isn't that a way to be able to compound the assets that you have a perfectly collateralized appreciating asset, in fact, in speaking of a whole life policy? Whole life policies are perfectly collateralized appreciating assets. So what would it look like if you started making deposits to your own privatized bank? And what if you were not beholden to 
whoever the loan officer is at whatever bank that you frequent, but rather you could just ascertain how much cash value you can leverage and when you would like to leverage it. Because when I call the insurance company to make a policy loan, they don't ask me what it's for. I don't have to schedule for next Thursday an appointment with the loan officer I, to, to submit two years worth. Of, I just, whatever the cash value is in my policy, I can leverage that in a known interest environment because I choose to, because I make a phone call or I send an email. And then they just ask me, how much do I want sent and where to send it to? And I can just have them electronically deposit that into my conventional banking account for whatever my purposes happen to be. In this context, real estate investing. Just imagine the speed that you can work at when you have followed these key principles of becoming your own banker. What if you amass capital that you owned and controlled? Because you thought long range enough to know that, well, hey, if I like real estate investing now, I'll probably like it five years from now, 10 years from now. And you've positioned yourself by not being afraid to capitalize, to have access to capital, growing capital in the future. You put yourself in a position to not be doing business with banks. That way you can get more interest dollars back in your own privatized banking system, plus the principal, plus the profits. And by being an honest banker with yourself, all you're doing is growing and expanding, growing and expanding, growing and expanding and scaling your own privatized banking system to whatever your ends may be. In this case, real estate investing. And that's how you can exponentially increase what it is that you're already doing just by adding this one step to your process. And if you do, if you'll implement those principles from Nash of thinking long range, not being afraid to capitalize, being an honest banker, not doing business with banks, you'll beat the competition out by default. Let me walk us through a simplified example. Let's say I have a rental property. And from this rental property, I also recognize and implement the infinite banking concept. So I own a whole life policy with a mutual company that pays a dividend. And I take the cash flows that I receive from my rental property. Notice I didn't just say profits, but I said cash flows or percentage of the cash flows. But I take those cash flows and I funnel that as premium dollars into a policy that I own and control. Now I understand as the owner of this property that I have to account for the overhead, for the property taxes, for the maintenance, for repairs, etc. And from those cash flows, I'm still going to have to cover those costs. But I make sure that the cash flows go first as premium dollars into a policy that I own and control. And then I can leverage the cash values in that policy via policy loans to account for these costs that I have of the property insurance, the maintenance, the repairs, the upkeep, what have you. I take care of what I need to, the mortgage or the home equity line of credit if it's been conventionally financed, all of that that the consumer is going to pay for anyway on a, on a well-functioning a real estate deal, the consumer is going to be paying for all that, plus a profit for me as the owner. But I leverage the cash values in my policy via a policy loan 
to pay those things that I need to in, in overhead. And then I'm an honest banker and I make sure to, from my profits, to be an honest banker and to pay that back and to pay that back with interest so that I eventually recapture all that back into the policy. So I'm simply still amassing capital somewhere. Wealth must have a residence. Wealth must have a residence. It must have a home. It must have a hub. It must have somewhere where it goes. So these cash flows can be funding perfectly collateralized. And a policy is perfectly collateralized because the the cash values that we're borrowing against are just a net representation today of a future death benefit. If we have the home or the property uh, conventionally financed, the home is collateral with the bank. Whereas with the policy, the policy is the collateral for the policy loans. So it's a perfectly collateralized appreciating asset. It's an appreciating asset because a properly structured whole life policy with a mutual company is going to have cash values that grow day over day, week over week, month over month, year over year, uninterrupted. There is compound growth in that policy. So it's a perfectly collateralized appreciating asset that can be accommodating the cash flows from this rental property. And we can also access the capital in that policy for the costs that we have. And then the profits that we are receiving can be going back to the policy. So we're, we're facilitating our need of finance privately while acquiring a brand new appreciating asset, also perfectly collateralized, while acquiring another asset to facilitate the cash flows and the financing of another asset. Now, if I've used cash values from a policy that I own and control to outright buy a property, then the same is still taking place that the rents that I'm collecting from the occupants are still supposed to be covering things like the electric and the property taxes and the property insurance and what have you, okay? But where does that cash flow go? It still goes to the policy itself. I may be able to net a larger portion because I don't have a mortgage or a home equity line of credit to account for as well to a third party. And that's fantastic. But in either scenario, whether we are using banks or we're not using banks, we can still be piece by piece, step by step, moving towards becoming our own banker all while building out the real estate investment portfolio that we wish to have. So the dollars must go somewhere. So I hope that this conversation has been helpful for you. If you'd like to have an individual conversation about how you could implement the infinite banking concept and do your real estate investing or your household or any other investing that you do, or as a small business or a big business, then you could reach me at 828-817-4223, or you can email durhamtalents at gmail.com. This has been a great pleasure for me. I look forward to our next conversation. Have a great day. Take care. Location, location, location. 
Let's go.